Hi, my name is Stephen. Hi, I'm April. This is the Three Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. Together, Stephen and I owned a seven-figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in-home services. Three Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically to ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about camera systems, uh, best practices. That's going to be our focus. The intention behind this, some of you may have seen the article going out, but there was a, there was an issue of abuse at an ABA company. Um, and we really just want to go over some of our customers came to us and said, okay, we're really worried about this. We want to make sure that this doesn't happen to us. We want to protect our, our, our clients, the, the children that were, you know, entrusted to keep safe. And so there was a lot of uh, discussion going back and forth on camera systems. We had to record everything. Um, and my response was, whoa, 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 wait a second. Uh, let's, let's talk about this and let's get a plan together. So um, yeah, so we are bringing on an expert that's going to help us go through this. And with that, April, I'll let you introduce. Yeah. All right. So today we, um, with us, we have Steve Malinowski. He's been working in healthcare compliance and privacy for eight years. He's currently the Regional Director of Integrity and Compliance with Trinity Health of New England in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Steve received his master's in business administration from Western Governors University and holds certifications in both healthcare and healthcare compliance and healthcare privacy compliance from the Healthcare Compliance Association. Steve is also the co-chair of the Connecticut Hospital Association's Corporate Compliance Committee, as well as a full-time husband and father. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Brent. Yeah, I really appreciate you being able to come on so quickly. You know, we we had just talked like this week and you were able to come on and, and really help us out. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a lot of people watching and and please, we are live. That's something I failed to mention. We are live in all three of our Facebook groups. So the Behaviorist Network, our membership only group, and then the ABA Business Leaders group. So if you have questions, please put them in the comments and we will do our best to respond to those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you know, we briefly talked, Steve, and it was like, you know, we're getting some concerns about this article, uh, shared with you and just wanting to keep the client safe. Um, as you know, we work with, you know, a lot of younger children, some are nonverbal. And so the, the onus is really on the providers to make sure that we can keep these children safe because they may not be able to, they may not be able to communicate with their parents. Um, or their caregivers uh, to, to say, hey, I am being abused uh, or something's going on. Uh, and so, you know, the response was, okay, cameras everywhere all the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, with that, you know, again, the intention, understanding the intention is coming from protection, safety, uh, but it may not provide the safety that, that they think it will. And then it may also result in a lot of liability uh, unintended liability. So that's kind of the premise of this conversation. And, you know, I'll let you kind of take it from there. And then we'll just randomly 
interrupt you with any questions. Yeah, that we I, mean, have. I guess like where to start would be like, so like, what, what would you say if I said, oh, okay, I need cameras now. Um, and we, we did talk about in-home and clinic. Yeah. So I think each one's going to look a little differently. Yep. So if you want to address like each one, like what yeah, would maybe. your initial first response be when someone says, should, should we do the camera thing? <laughs> I think um, there's a lot of risk with, you know, video capture, image capture, recording, things like that. Um, whether that is from the perspective of an in-home care or in a facility care, um, and specifically, there's a lot of privacy risk. Um, and the first thing to understand with privacy is with patient privacy is that there's there's trust between a patient and a clinician, and there has to be trust. And the potential to breach that trust can lead to patient harm. Uh, certainly not the harm that was provided to these patients uh, in the article you had mentioned. Um, that's that level. Um, but but there is certain uh, risks associated with that. But if we do go the route of of cameras, there are additional privacy risks to consider. Uh, and first, you have to consider the security of the cameras. Right, it has to be closed circuit. It has to be uh, not connected to the internet. Uh, it has to be secure. Um, but you, you really have to look at it as you're potentially creating protected health information, PHI. And when you create PHI, there are standards that you need to apply to that PHI. So if we're doing this for uh, the quality of, of care that we provide to patients, some organizations, some states even, might consider this PHI to be part of the designated medical records. That's, that's the legal term for what goes into the medical record. So if you are creating PHI, that means you have to store PHI. Body cameras, if they're on 24-7, that's going to be a lot of information to store. You know, even if it, it's a grainy picture and low resolution, you know, storing that for a prolonged period of time uh, will get costly and, and resource intensive. Not to mention that, you know, HIPAA doesn't expire, you know, when a patient leaves the facility. It doesn't expire when the patient dies. It expires up to 50 years after the patient dies. So now you're looking at storage of this information for possibly 100 years or more. So not really cost effective um, to do it for every single patient interaction. We were talking a little bit about yesterday about body cameras too. Mm -hmm. Body cameras was an interesting perspective because when we think of body cameras, I think most people think of what the police use, right? If they're going for a stop or an arrest or interrogation, you put the camera on. And unless, it, you know, if the process for patient care is different, but the camera's always on, that's one thing. Um, but would that have prevented this incident that occurred with, with uh, the assault of, of children? If a person can simply click it off. Right. Um, and, and also, that those weren't the patients of that person. So right. there would be no expectation for them to have the camera on at that time. So there, there are certainly issues, uh, technical issues, um, and, and it's easy to... to just not do it from, from that perspective. Right. One of the other things uh, to consider is consent. Um, a lot of these uh, patients uh, that we were talking about are children, um, and they can't consent to being recorded, but their parents can. But when we're in a group setting, like an inpatient facility, now you're sort of commingling PHI, right? So you have, you have your camera on when you're speaking with this patient, but there's another patient in the background. Well, whose medical record does that get attached to? Uh, will it be attached to both? Um, again, a costly solution. But if you do attach to a medical record, uh, now you have to consider, you know, if you need to produce that, for example, uh, for a, a litigation, you need to produce a, a film, a video footage, and it has another patient there. Now you have to pixelate, right? Or do something to render that person uh, 
image not there, which means you're altering the footage. And that really calls into the integrity of the footage, I think. So um, again, there, there's so many sort of uh, holes in this that it, it, it's starting to get, you know, tougher to think of body camera as a potential source of, of protecting our patients. There are other alternatives, I think, um, when we look at the purpose. So when I started talking about this, I was thinking, and this is for patients' care quality, which means it'll be tied to the medical. Right. But a lot of facilities have cameras anyway, security cameras, and that's not tied to the patient, right? That's just a security camera. It's stored for a week or two, depending on the organization, maybe a month, what have you. And it's not specifically tied to a patient. Uh, that's appropriate. It does discourage misconduct. Um, but again, when we're looking at these patients, this is a vulnerable, pop vulnerable population. They might feel stigmatized, right? If you're in a place where there's security cameras, where it, whereas if you go to like an emergency room or your doctor's office, uh, like a PCP, there might not be cameras there. Right. So there might be some uh, stigmatization surrounding that as well. There's also um, concerns that we'll switch to the in-home setting. Because that was, I think, a, a big issue. Yeah, just one one question on on that, Steve. So, like, in, when you're in the clinic, you know, a lot of people, and I, I know, like, what the intention is is this for, you know, client health or security. I know a lot of our customers. Well, the the response would be, well, it's for both. Can you like say, well, ninety nine percent of it is security, and I'm gonna delete that stuff after thirty days. And then this particular instance I used for program updates or for training my staff to better provide services for my clients. And so this 30 minute clip this week is gonna be protected health information. I'm gonna store that one only and the rest is garbage. I don't need it. Like, can you do that or is it all or nothing at that point? So now you are sort of co-mingling yeah. the two purposes. And I mean, that's, that's okay. But what happens when somebody said, you know, you record this video footage, you keep it for this one patient because of an incident, but what happens when somebody else said, you know, that conflict touched me inappropriately. Right. Where's the video? Footage? Right. Right. Now you have to have the same expectation for every single patient. When you open that door, you know, the, the security footage, I think, uh, really it, it comes down to one purpose or the other of why you installed it. Like what was the original reason? You wanted cameras. Was it for the safety of the patients? Was it for the safety of the colleagues or, you know, the employees, the visitors, things like that? Was it to, uh, you know, sort of deter misconduct? That's for security. Um, but if it's for patient care, uh, will that become part of the medical record? So it depends on the incident too, right? So if there's an incident where somebody says I was, you know, inappropriately touched by a counselor, well, that might not go in their medical that might not be PHI, that might be a legal legal concern, a risk management concern, but certainly not something that would go into their medical record, whereas the, you know, the counselor can take notes, for example, uh, after the incident and put that in medical record as part of the diagnosis. But, it, you know, and I've seen in facilities where they have security cameras, none of that footage goes into the medical record. Um, again, you open that door and now you have, you know, it's for some facilities, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of patients who can, who have the uh, ability to say, I want this camera footage, right. and now you're obligated to give it to them because you did it for one patient. So right. I, I wouldn't, you know, if you're going to do security footage, I wouldn't go by way of um, for clinical treatment purposes, just because it, it does get costly and time consuming and resource intensive. Want to start an ABA practice, but not sure where to start? Have an ABA practice, but not 100% confident on the business side? We have you covered. 
Join our ABA Business Leaders membership. With over 60 hours of content, we walk you through all areas of starting and expanding your ABA practice, from getting your LLC all the way through ethics and own, of owning a practice. Oh, and it also comes with CEUs. 34. Yeah, 34 CEUs. All the CEUs you need to get your two-year recertification. To find out more, go to 3pisquared.com and click on Courses. So would you almost split those up into two systems, like have your regular security system kind of like that's more general, it kind of it's scanning all areas of the clinic. And then if there are specific issues with one particular client that maybe that provider needs a little bit more support or a supervisor uh, would like to see what's going on in the session without being involved in the session. Do you know what I mean? So there, there's sometimes an issue where too many people in the room at the same time, just it, it doesn't go well, right? And so would that be the best, just having a completely different system for those instances? Uh, yes and no. Is there going to be a, a clear yes or no? But uh, I think, you know, we, we talked a little also, I guess, about video monitoring. And if you're thinking the supervisor wants to view a session without being present, video monitoring is sort of a different solution where okay. you're not recording. You're just looking at a live feed. And again, closed circuit, secure, not connected to the internet, um, where somebody can see what's going on in real time, uh, but not have to uh, have the onus of maintaining that as part of the medical record for, you know, 80, 100 years, what have you. Right. Yeah, that makes, and, that and, makes a lot of sense because I know after yes. our conversation we had with you yesterday, um, those were a couple of things that I brought up. I was like, well, what if you have a surveillance system for security for that being your sole purpose? But then it kind of gets, starts to get mixed in where, right. oh, I'm just going to pop into the security office or whatever and peek <laughs> in at this session yes. so I can observe this right. situation. Right. And so I think that no matter like how you like, depending on the purpose and what system you set up, according to that purpose, you just have to have clear guidelines and boundaries like to how to how to work that right, right. i think policy i think i was just uh, i was gonna say policy is very important when it comes to recording image capture things like that make clear guidelines as to what the purpose is and the process for doing it um, otherwise you will run into these problems where you're going to be commingling these things uh and people if, without clear direction um you know if they have the opportunity to record something they will right and then, you know, I know you've said it a couple of times, I 100% agree with you, closed circuit, like you don't want this going onto the internet. Like it's just, I know in the, I've seen this in the news as well. Like there was a, I think it was a mental, a mental health, like resident care facility and they had video cameras and they were connected to the internet. Somebody hacked in and then they were, you know, they, they had made, they had gotten complete control of the system. Right. And so they were watching these people, listening to these people. It was terrible. Right. And so, like, is there any system? <laughs> I know, I know my answer is going to be no, but is there any system that would be that you could do that? Right. Cause I know a lot of people have them. Let's get, it's a ring camera, right? Like, let's, like, let's put that on. And then I can remote view it from my house and I don't have to work. Like, I don't have to come into the office. Oh, so you're like asking, like, is there is there any system, system that, that, that you they... would that you would recommend or is it just no, it, it needs to be closed circuit, no connection to the Internet? 
So closed circuit is good for local, right? And where that's sort of a direct feed from the camera to um, the actual uh, video monitor. Yep. But in reality, uh, most people are going to have to use some sort of internet connected device, um, especially if you're looking at cameras, uh, you know, at another facility, or we're talking about uh, in-home care or you know, anything like that. Uh, and I know there's a lot of companies who do um, remote monitoring, uh, video monitoring, uh, and they do it through an outsourced company. Okay. And that company is not going to come and wire their, their camera. Right. They're going to use an internet connection. Um, so really that comes down to your local security, right? Your, your information security, ensuring uh, strong um, passwords with everybody, uh, ensuring you know, closed connections and secure servers, things like that. Uh, not my expertise, but certainly sure. um, something that an IT person can help set up I think like, you know, and my recommendation is is basically like these systems can be very expensive, right? And there is a lot of risk. So uh, especially when you start connecting things to the Internet, like it's it's almost a matter like if the CIA and the FBI and IRS can get hacked, your cameras are going to get hacked, right? Like there's a, there's no question, right? If somebody wants in, they're going to get in. Um, and so it's like, do you want this on the Internet? Do you, do you want this? Because it's going to be it's it, like it. Um, so a very high possibility. So my, like, my thing is just close it, uh, just put it on your local network. And then if, if people need to see the video for whatever reason, uh, they come to the office to see it, especially like for smaller companies that only have one office. But yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where I look at it. And then I guess, yeah, like moving into, do you have any other? Well, I don't know. Steve, Steve was going in a direction sure, sure. before we interrupted him. So yeah. I don't know if, if you're, if you still have that train of thought or if not, we can move on to something else. Please, let's move on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then thinking about like, you know, going into the home, right? Cause again, a lot of our customers uh, have in home and clinic, or maybe even just starting out, all they do is in home. Uh, so the therapist goes to the home, uh, sees the child. A lot of times it's by themselves. Uh, we, we do recommend having a caregiver present. Uh, but, you know, as we talked yesterday, what present means. Right. <laughs> that, present mean in the yes, same room or yes. outside what of does the that yard mean? or yes. so, so that that can be very difficult. And then, you know, the in-home environment for many reasons is just an uncontrollable environment, right? For safety, for risk, for a lot of things. And so if the company decides, okay, we are going to video, you know, we're going to video, we're, we're going to record this stuff on body cams or whatever. Maybe we have a, you know, a fixed camera that we put in the therapy, sit, whatever like the therapy, therapy location, area yeah, home. whatever they're calling it, uh, that just, you know, is fixed and it, it just watches the entire um, therapy um, session going on. Um, what happens, I guess, because I look at this, what about the inadvertent things that get recorded, right? Or uh, somebody comes over, you know, a babysitter or uh, that doesn't want to be recorded or another family member comes in or a friend of the family comes in, and they don't want to be recorded. Um, and what happens in those situations? Do we have to shut the video off? Uh, what if the mom says in the middle of a session, no, I don't want this recorded. I have to make a phone call. It's private, right? I don't want this picked up. Do we shut these things off? Do we have to keep them recorded? You know, things like that, I think, are big concerns for me. No, I think, um, you know, 
you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about guests and visitors and and um, people who wouldn't otherwise be privy to that uh, that recording. You know, different states have different uh, laws and regulations regarding consent to being recorded. And, and again, I'm not an attorney, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what the laws are for each state. Um, but you have to look at a couple of factors. Number one is, do does a person being recorded need to consent being recorded? Now, some states, one person has to have that consent, the other one doesn't. Uh, in other states, both parties have to explicitly state or sign something saying they don't mind being recorded. Um, but then you're also talking about in somebody's personal home where there may not be an expectation of privacy right. as you would have in a hospital, for example. But on the other hand, you're also talking about potentially violating state laws about voyeurism where you're recording somebody without their knowledge. So now we're talking about criminal conduct compared to what would otherwise be, uh, you know, maybe a civil issue. Um, so recording within the home uh, very difficult to say, you know, on a state-by-state -state basis, uh, what can be done, uh, whether it's appropriate or not. You also have to consider, you know, if it's your policy as an organization to record your your, your sessions with a counselor and a child and, and what have you, what does your state law say? Because if your policy says that and your employees sign up on a policy saying, yeah, I don't mind being recorded, but something they do and they don't consent to it and the state law says, you know, if they don't consent to it, you can't record them. Now you're putting your own company at risk. Right. So the, the consent uh, is a, such a, a difficult thing to grasp. It's not universal. And honestly, it, it would be probably on a case-by-case -case basis. There's a lot of different factors to understand who can be recorded. Um, the other thing you mentioned, though, was having a policy that says the caregiver has to be present. And like you said, define present, right? Does right. that mean in the same room? Does that mean you are on camera? Does that mean you're in the kitchen? Uh, or does that mean, you know, you're available by phone call if you need to? Present has a lot of different definitions. Right. Even if the caregiver is present, though, HIPAA does have certain rights for minors. And I know we're talking a lot about minors, but children who are 14 to 18 and still minors do have privacy rights that their parents aren't privy to. And that includes mm -hmm. things like pregnancy, STIs, parental choice, which is now state-governed. So, again, state-by-state -state differences. And that state law will preempt HIPAA. Uh, so state law will, will go over whatever HIPAA says right. uh, if it's more strict. Uh, HIPAA is basically the, the floor, and everything else it, it will, will, be, will be stricter, if not the same. So even if the caregiver is present, if a child meets certain criteria, the caregiver can't be present without the child's consent. So it, it just opens the doors to so many more issues, I think, with that. One of the things we also talked about was what if the caregiver wants to report the session? Right, the, and the child consents to it. And you know, let's put the onus on them. Let's let them record the session, and that yep. way if anything happens, they have video footage of it. We're looking at the same issues. The consent laws are still in play. The child might still be of age to you know, withdraw consent and authorization to the parent. Um, again, that might be considered voyeurism if the, the person, you know, the, the counselor, for example, doesn't agree to it. And then the, it also, again, draws the question, do guests and visitors have an expectation of privacy in a caregiver's home? And that's, again, that'll be a state law question. Uh, it'll be different for, for most states. Um, and I just don't have an answer for any of it. I think recording the home is very risky yeah. from a legal perspective. And I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, there's a lot of different factors that take place, both from HIPAA and state laws that should be taken into consideration before talking about recording home sessions. Yeah, it's so important to have a plan in place before you just say, all the cameras all the time uh, and, and talking to competent legal, getting competent legal advice in your state is so important starting a business anyway 
uh, but especially when you're considering, okay, we're going to start recording this and we're going to store this long term and, you know, we're going to put it on the internet and, you know, we may have uncontrolled uh, places where we're going to be recording, you know, some of the other things that, you know, like you said, you need a really good intention as to what the reason is behind recording. Again, like someone reviews these after the fact for, you know, abuse allegations or, or just to make sure that the therapist is, is not doing anything wrong, then what if, you know, again, what if they overhear something else that is un, unrelated to the client? You know, maybe they hear some just illegal like activity yeah. or sensitive information from someone else in the in the house um and then they feel that it needs to be reported um like what like i i just i think about that and i'm like oh my goodness what did i get myself into by by recording this right um and so what responsibility whether it's ethically or legally uh like what responsibility does that company now have if they've inadvertently recorded somebody else committing a crime in the home, for example. I, I don't even know what you would do with that, right? I, I don't know what the responsibility would be. It doesn't seem like it would be a good situation to find yourself in. So yeah, I don't know if you have any feedback. Yeah, I think uh, most counselors and, and people in behavioral health in general would fall under what is considered a mandated report. Right. Um, and mandated reporters, really, that's, that's mostly for elder abuse, child abuse, and abuse of people with disabilities. Um, anything like that they see, absolutely, uh, recorded or not, they have to tell somebody. Um, again, state laws uh, sort of tell you the time frame and the expectations of that. And I know in my state, they just changed it where you have 24 hours to report, right. as opposed to it used to be 72. And you could face, you know, you could face jail time uh, as a misdemeanor not reporting. So those are absolutes, right? And I think, you know, your organization, again, has to work with a legal uh, department or an attorney to say, what are my obligations? If I see drugs in the house, well, that I guess that's something you, you can report. Um, but again, you're there sort of, you, you're there as uh, uh, somebody providing care to a patient. Right. So you can't really say to the police, well, I'm there, you know, for, with John Smith and his kid, Jane Smith, and I'm talking to Jane Smith, who's my patient, well, now you're giving the police PHI. Right. Um, and there are rules about that. You can't you can give police PHI in certain circumstances, right. especially if the child's in danger. And things like drugs in the house, uh, we may consider that putting the child in danger. Right. And there are a lot of things, uh, you know, crimes that happen in the house. I mean, uh, if you see the parent jaywalking, <laughs> but you know, right. things like drugs in the house, uh, you know, unauthorized weapons, things like that. Definitely things that if you think it puts the child in danger, uh, the patient in danger, you can share that PHI with the police in a limited set. And HIPAA has some really uh, strict limits on what you can share with the police. But if you believe in imminent danger, meaning that staying in that house is going to hurt them shortly, uh, and it will definitely, then you are obligated to call the police. Right. Did you know 3Pi Squared offers one-on-one -on -one consulting? From in-network audit prep and credentialing to rate negotiation, we help ABA business owners in all areas of the practice. We work with you to create a priority list and then knock it out. Find out more at 3PiSquared.com. Click on consulting. I guess my concern around the video itself is let's say the provider didn't hear it, right? 
but then because they were too busy with the child and that but but it's on the video itself right and so then the person reviewing it after the fact is hearing this information or seeing this information and and then you know oh well we didn't we didn't review it for two weeks and so but we our policy is we'll review it after 72 hours like so like i guess like this can potentially cause a lot of issues uh again inadvertent issues some responsibility that you may uh take on that that you maybe didn't think you were taking on so that that's kind of my worry about it is it's not so much that okay yeah this video confirms what i saw at the home uh but this video picked up something that i didn't even know was going on in the home and so like and it if the person reviewing is like i don't know an admin yes. type position Correct. and not a mental health provider per right. se, but they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. That right. does definitely make it really messy. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you have any questions or do we gonna have any questions? Um, the, uh... we, haven't, we haven't had any, we have a few people uh, watching, hello everyone yeah. watching, but we haven't had any questions yet. Okay, did some people. comments love this or thank you for sharing? Is that? Um, no. No? no okay. No. That was something different, but okay. no. So I think that um, probably everyone's taking all of this in because yes. I think that's where we are. I know just even a year ago when we had our private practice and I, you know, something in the news popped up at that time, I would definitely be rethinking, like, okay, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. You know, do I have everything in place? What should, um, what am I allowed to do? Um, and reaching out to all of my resources. So I'm sure... Well, I know just from our social media groups, a lot of questions are starting to come up about cameras and right. safety. Yeah, and that's security, a big question that security. I get all the time mm -hmm. is, is how do I set up camera systems safely, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and a lot of that, I think, are just even before, like, not that this is the only, sadly, the only case of an abusive situation within the ABA right. community. But I think even before, a lot of times especially in the clinic setting, we are looking at video monitoring maybe as really probably what we're thinking about. But then I guess it's really more serves the purpose of the health, you know, like not for just for safety, but for, for health. Right. Um, and like it really being part of the record, like if you're observing a session, right, right from, from another room. Right. Um, and I think that, um, sometimes that may not be, you know, we may not think about that as personal health information, health information right. that that does need to be stored and Correct. put in someone's file. And I think during our conversation yesterday, we mentioned like, well, I know you said that like, what if you it catches someone else, you know, then you have to like black that out, you know, like pixelate out, and then you're like compromising the thing. Yeah. But what if there are two kids in the video both getting therapy at the same, same time it's catching we, yeah we do do group therapy yeah right? then, then so, you have to like put a put a copy yes. in every it just it gets really yeah, it messy. Gets messy but um i um yeah my reading glasses here <laughs> so if you are using say a surveillance company or something right your main thing that you're looking at is safety right and and you're not using this for any kind of clinical you know reasoning so i guess so if it's just a surveillance then it's just real time someone's watching and if they see one of the flags that they're supposed to look for then they notify somebody and at that point do they record or is it just their verbal notice that hey this happened and then you can further look into it 
Um, that is video monitoring and it's a okay. little different from video recording. Gotcha. So video monitoring is, um, it, and it's kind of like surveillance. Um, it's, it's again, kind of like a, a direct feed. Uh, there's a camera on either a patient or a group setting or a hallway or what have you. And there's another person on the other end watching and it's a 24 seven recording. Uh, it was not recording, but it, it's filming, right. uh, and, and not really capturing that image. So. When we are not capturing images, that means we're not creating PHI. We have a real-time uh, feedback. However, what I have seen is there are instances where somebody does need to capture uh, an, an, an activity or an event or something that happened. And most of, I've never seen it where it's a clinical event, right? I've always seen it where, uh, I'll give you a couple examples. So uh, in the behavioral health setting, there's a fight that breaks out, right? Two, right. two kids going at each other. That's not clinical. That's something that and would not go in the medical record, but they want to keep that footage. Like they're watching, they can go back 10 minutes, they, they you know go back five minutes and they snip it and they, they send it to the supervisor, whoever's on the floor and say, this is what, you know, what happened, this is how it escalated. Another example would be a patient fall and mm -hmm. nobody witnesses a patient fall. Uh, and for anybody who works in the acute care setting or the inpatient setting, you know, patient falls are a big deal. Right. Right. Um, how do we determine if the patient, and, you know, how the patient felt? We got to take their word for it. Well, if they're under video monitoring, we can say, they'll, they'll send us the clip and say, patient tries to get out of bed. They weren't holding it. They didn't have their no slip socks on. Uh, and that's, you know, sort of what happened. And then that makes that risk assessment a whole lot easier. Right. But a video monitor really is looking at the camera just like i'm looking at you right now and i'm watching you 24 7. now you two start going at each other i'm going to pick up my phone i'm going to call the supervisor and say these two are going at each other right and i'll give them the option you know i'll i'll recapture it for now if you need it let me know if not it's going to be deleted tomorrow gotcha that way we are not storing that camera footage there's no way to connect it to the emr the electronic medical record and we don't have to right i can't think of many clinical reasons. The only time I've seen uh, cameras used was in a trauma room, and that was for um, quality assurance, where they want to see, you know, specifically uh, ask, uh, when, when folks come in, when patients come in um, due to violence, right, stabbings, shootings, things like that, they want to see the uh, quality assurance of how they are treated, right. uh, and that is stored, but that's not 24-7. That's like you go and the patient comes in, you click the button, the camera turns on. So that's gotcha. a little different. That's not monitoring, that's recording. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So that that does sound like a really good option in a clinic, you know, the the video monitoring. If if your intention is just safety of staff and 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 right. clients. Yeah, I mean that yeah. could be. Uh, we do have a question. Um, okay. Someone is asking, uh, what camera system do you recommend for a small clinic? I wouldn't be able to recommend any specific camera systems. I would work with a uh, their security companies up there. You can get a local security company that they can come in and help. And now you would have to like sign a BAA and like have all of that stuff if you worked with a company like that, right? If they were monitoring it, if they had access to the record, if you were recording it and they had access to like the system after the fact or were maintaining it, then yeah, you would probably need to have a BAA exactly. in place. Again, like I, I just wouldn't, I guess my recommendation would be don't go on Amazon and get Wi-Fi cameras, right? That's just like that, that please don't do that. Like, um, just yeah. like, again, you, like you can go on an Amazon and find like those ones that are ethernet connected and you put them into like, they all go into a hub and then you can just have a one, like a, a can like a monitor that's connected right to those. Like that's again, it's not connected to the internet. 
no one's gonna be able to see that from the outside like that for me it's is, not being recorded it's yes, just monitoring it's just, yeah like, like for the purposes of yeah because even I, I like even if you do you would need to encrypt those hard drives right like if it is phi so we need to make sure the hard drives are all encrypted probably need to have some kind of access controls on the where the system is being stored and all that stuff like it's just <laughs> it's just a, it's it's a lot it's a lot and before you go on amazon and buy whatever <laughs> system they have right i do want to just point out you know if you get a professional to install this for you that takes the liability off of you if for some reason for example let's say you have an inpatient adolescent unit they go they rip it down they take the ethernet cables and they try to hang themselves oh yeah these are things that could happen mm -hmm. but if you have a professional person you know professional security camera installation company not only will they have the, the same thing it'll be pricier yeah uh, they'll have the same thing they'll be able to encrypt it for you uh and they'll be able to install it where it either won't be able to be reached or won't be able to be removed easily um but it, it has to be installed uh and again if you're in certain facilities you have to adhere to joint commission standards so there are certain places you can put them put them depending on uh, if you are uh, accredited by the Joint Commission. And do you like, so let's say we have all these cameras and it is just for security purposes. Do we need consent at that point? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, I'm going to say for the most part, no. Um, so uh, there was a recent Joint Commission um, standard related to consent. Uh, is 2022. And then again, this is only if you are accredited by the Joint Commission. Other, otherwise, you have to follow your, your state standards. For, but basically, it said uh, you are, an organization is allowed to obtain recordings for the safety of patients without their permission. And that included documenting things like neglect or abuse for the safety and security of patients, workforce visitors. So from a Joint Commission perspective, yes, you can do it without consent. Otherwise, your own state consent laws will, will be activated. But that being said, you can alter your patient consent and authorization upon admission for them to sign off saying that they understand they will be recorded right. and they authorize that. Right. That's again, uh, it depends on your state and it depends. I would have your, your legal uh, uh, attorney yes. or, or advisor ensure that language is, is verified. Right. And then I guess like, and you may not know the answer to this, but should you have an area of your clinic that is completely camera free so that if someone says, yeah, I do not consent to this. Um, I still want to receive care, but I, I don't want to consent to being videotaped in any manner um, so that you can still provide services. Or is that is that opening up another can of worms that I cannot see right now myself? The, the problem is that you're going to have a universal consent form. Anybody uh, with a clinic um, will usually have just one form that it can't be altered, right? Right. The, the patient can cross something out and say, I consent to everything except for this. Right. These are the rules of, and the condition of you getting treatment here. But to have a room without that, I don't see an issue with that. But again, you're putting more risk on yourself to say right. that, you know, this, this person requested no cameras and this room has no cameras and something happened. Right. So, right. Um, if you're going to change it, you have to do it universally and treat each patient the same. Do you need to pass an in-network audit? you know if you have all the policies you need for HIPAA? Would you like a comprehensive client or employee handbook for both in-home and clinic ABA services? Check out 3Pi Squared's quality management system. Our handbooks pass funder in-network audits and are geared specifically to ABA. 
Best of all, we provide free updates. The templates come in Word and Excel, so you can customize the handbooks to meet your company's unique needs. Check them out at 3piesquare.com. Click on Quality Management System. Yeah, I know. I feel like was it I was it this conversation because I've had this conversation with a few people now, but like where we were talking about other ways to kind of help for um, to monitor safety. for client safety, like especially so when we were talking employees, right? So we were yeah. talking about like having um, you know, making sure that the a caregiver is home, yes. and defining what a caregiver Correct. is and yes. where they have to be, and you know, you brought up a great point for that certain age group. You know, maybe that means the parents out in the, I mean, it could be in the family room, and you have a noise machine on, but then that means that your clinician and and you know, patient and client are in the room alone. Yeah. So that kind of takes that like put some question there and so we i believe it was our conversation yesterday we were Mm -hmm. talking about other things that we could do like having a second staff member or having like an assistant person can you would you like to talk on that a a little bit of some of the ideas that we were throwing around yeah i think it's i've seen this successfully in the past and that's just um we'll call it the buddy system right no counselor is by themselves and i think this is a good solution for in-home care for in a facility care for uh, patient care at, at uh, just a treatment center, you know, having one counselor and then another person, whether that is uh, uh, they are a counselor or they're on the path to be a counselor, they're in school, they're an intern, or even like a lower level clinician, like a, a certified nursing assistant, somebody, just somebody else. And whether that, you know, a, a lot of people choose to have, they choose to have gender parity with these things. So, you know, the counselor right. is female and the other person is male or vice versa. This puts accountability on both of them, and, and for those familiar with familiar with Chi, um, it, it's a safety tool. It's two hundred percent accountability. You're one hundred percent accountable for your actions, and one hundred percent accountable for your partner's actions. So again, it's it's not cost effective, right? You're you're hiring sure. a second person to do the right. job of one person, and especially when we're talking about in home care. Now we're talking about potentially two cars traveling, so right. more reimbursement. Um, but it, it's HIPAA compliant, right? And you get more real-time feedback. And I think when we look at the the case that sort of started saw that article, yeah. um, would this have prevented that? Unsure, right? So this was the person who wasn't doing this to his own patients. Right. He was assaulting patients that were not his. So was he doing it on his lunch break? Was he doing it on his own time? Where if he had a buddy in that buddy system, would this person... Be with him at that time where they wonder, hey, it's been five minutes. I wonder where Carl is, and you know, mm-hmm. find out that way. You know, those that's a concern. I think maybe a policy that would say if they leave, if one person leaves for an extended period of time, it's your responsibility as the other person to reach out to them, understand where they are, what they're doing. That, um, but I think a buddy system, it's kind of like having. Uh, it's not being recorded, but it's like having. It's being monitored. You're monitoring each mm-hmm. other, um, and if something happens whether that is assault or violence or whether that's just them saying something wrong or doing something wrong, now they're accountable and you can tell a supervisor. And, and I think a lot of companies really reiterate a, a non-retaliation policy. You know, if you have a concern mm-hmm. that you want to report in good faith, report it without concern of retaliation. And having two people together uh, really uh, allows for concerns to bubble up, which is not always a bad thing if a company knows that. Right. 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 And then obviously, like, you know, anyone watching, listening, background checks are absolute must. Right. And and so 
uh, certainly following whatever contracts you have. Some funders have very specific background checks that are required uh, um, for all staff. So making sure that you're following any contracts or state law, working with children, you're probably going to need to do fingerprint checks, um, FBI checks. And then obviously, you know, doing like a, a, a sexual, um, what is it, the um, sex offenders, yeah, sex offenders um, uh, check on them as well. And then, you know, other checks that we recommend is like malpractice uh, check and making sure that they actually have the licenses that they're supposed to have, obviously, and education checks and things like this, all of these things. If there are any flags here, we, we certainly do not want them working with vulnerable children, right? Like that's just not not okay uh i i guess you know and we will link the the article in this uh podcast uh, i just one of the questions that i still have and very it would be nice to get the answer to this i don't know if i'll ever get the answer to this but like how this person apparently sexually assaulted someone you know what was it five six years ago and they managed to get a certification in this field it just it seems I got a lot of words, a lot, a lot of description, <laughs> descriptive words that I could say in this moment. Like it's just, it's very shocking to find. Well, that. I mean, you know, mis- I mean, uh, not. I mean, it was a terrible mistake to yes. make, but like, I mean, mistakes happen, right? Yeah. And that's why yeah. it's so important yeah. Yeah. for us to follow our intake procedures yes. and you know onboarding procedures, and you know we have all the policies and procedures in place yes. for a reason, but we also have to follow our policies and procedures. Yes. And, you know, that's just one of those reminders why we have to do those internal audits to make sure that we are keeping up with what we're supposed to be yeah. doing. And and then some other trainings that would be I would recommend. I don't know what your, you know, in your system, uh, your team, what they do, but like even abuse and molestation training is a good trauma informed yeah, trauma-informed yeah. care. These are good, you know, so that if. Maybe you're not witnessing the abuse, but you can see the sign like uh, you can see, okay, there there's definitely changes going on in this child. Right. This this behavior is very unusual. Um, And so then you can see, well, what's going on? What is causing this behavior to manifest now? Right. And so you can kind of hopefully work from that and then find out what is going on so it can be prevented or at least stopped at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think an important thing, and this is me putting on my compliance hat, is a culture, like creating a culture that allows people to speak up, that empowers people to say something's not right. Right. I think when we look at how this person got hired, my guess is that, are you familiar with the Swiss cheese effects? Yes, 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 yes. And then somebody misses it, and yeah. they go with keeps yeah. those holes. Yeah. Well, somebody saw this person, and they said, well, you know, uh, they, they missed something. And the next person... They said, well, this person didn't do anything about it, so it's probably okay. And this right. person said, well, those two people didn't say anything about it, so it's right. fine. So my guess is that's how that person got hired, how they actually got into the certification is beyond me. Yeah. And when we're talking about when we're seeing changes in patients' behaviors, again, speaking up, having a culture that empowers people to speak up and say, you know, something's just not right. This patient's acting different, and I can't get through to them. You know, talking to a supervisor or to another leader or somebody to say, I know something's going on. I feel it in my gut, but I just can't put my finger on it. And having another person do that check with you, it's so important. And, and that, it, it solves a lot of problems when people are empowered to speak up when something's wrong. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, yeah. that's something that we talk about on a regular basis. And, and I think like, getting even feedback from parents, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think taking those concerns from the parents, um, because... Yeah. 
you know, in this situation, again, it was it was a parent that was like, hold on, there's definitely something going on here. So, yeah, it's something that we try to promote is an open door policy where you allow everyone in the company to be heard, be seen, uh, feel like their voice. It, it does matter. And if I do come with a concern um, that I know it's going to be heard and, and that it will be addressed. And so, yeah, just promoting that throughout the company. Yeah, super important. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Is that a good stopping point for today? Or do you have Yeah, no, I think, I, do you have anything that we kind of missed, Steve? Or do you feel like that that's it? Like, that's kind of an overview. Obviously, that's not it. But like that. A good, first, a, a good first conversation. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I probably uh, made people have more questions than anything, But um, it, it's never clear, right? Compliance right. and privacy is always in the gray. It's never black and white. So um, I appreciate the opportunity talk about it and to really hash things out a little bit it was a really a, a great opportunity yeah definitely yeah. thank you for joining us i mean yeah. that and i think really that was you know like we said yesterday that was like our main intention is just to get get questions going yes. you know yes. peaking that curiosity yeah. and okay it's not as black and white it's not as easy as this oh i didn't think about that yeah yet. so i hope that after reading yes. or after listening to this or watching this that you guys out there do have, have questions. questions yes and um, then yeah. you know if you do have questions please again comment on these videos because we can then take that information have another one of these video these talks and maybe get some of these answers resolved you know, we can bring on, you know, we have a couple of attorneys that we bring on uh, on a regular basis. We can bring them on as well and kind of muddle our way through that, right. uh, knowing yeah. that every state is different, that that like even you can get into county and city regs that are different. Right. So um, it won't be perfect, but it'll at least get some some of those answers. And sometimes and maybe... we don't even know that that's something that we should look into. Yeah. Until we know. Until we know. know. And that, yeah. that was one of our things as we grew our business and you know, sometimes we realize, oh, wow, this is something we're not doing. Okay. Yeah. How do we get it going? Yeah. You know? And so I yep. think just like, just having that awareness and, and having that open conversation, even in this um, community um, is great. I'm just, I, oh, you're welcome. Um, Liddy for that. Um, yeah. I don't, so I think it. we're good. Uh -huh. um, but thank you again so much for coming on and yeah, thank you for everyone listening and watching. We are done. But like I said, uh, we'll post a link to the article in the podcast. And we will, like I said, it, it, please, any questions, comments on this, uh, leave your comments. And then we will try to get answers for you. But um, yeah, that's really it. So thank you again, Steve, for coming on. I uh, really appreciate this. Very valuable information. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. All right. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www.3piesquare.com.